Hello, this is Matthew Johnson, and I'm the pastor of the sanctuary here in Columbus, Indiana. Welcome to our podcast. I pray today's message inspires and challenges you. Feel free to visit us at thesanctuary.church if we can serve you in any other way. So now, let's head to church where we are in session. Tonight we're going to start a new sermon series titled The Battle Within. Since we have all the marriages fixed in our congregation, in three weeks, in three hours. Wow, I mean, just miraculous. And then to all of you who text me so many kind compliments on Sunday about my wife, I just want to know where your texts are on my Sundays. I mean, I got more texts complimenting my wife than I've ever gotten. But she did fantastic. I love you, honey. Great Mother's Day. And it was a great weekend. Whether you know it or not, in our mind, there is a war raging. You may not hear bombs going off. You may not see missiles coming in from the enemy. But the enemy is attacking you at all times. Know this. If he can get your mind... If he can get control of your mind, he's got all of you. But how do we win this war? That's what we're going to talk about. Proverbs 23 and 7 is our key verse tonight. It says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So on part one of the series, I want to ask this question. What have you said to yourself lately? And before we begin, I know I just had you standing up. I'm going to have you stand up one more time because I want us to pray over our minds. Now, I don't know what you're going through, what may be going through your mind right now. I can promise you that someone tonight is dealing with anxiety, fear, doubt, um, insecurities. I don't know what it is that you're dealing with, but I can tell you that all of us deal with something in our mind So what we want to pray for tonight is that the Lord would give us strength and clarity. And so maybe you're here, and you ever have one of those days where you just kind of feel blah, and you can't really identify what it is until you pray, and then you can identify in the spirit what is going on. I want us to be able to identify the attack that we're going through right now. And we can only do that through the spirit. So I want you to lift your hands to heaven, submit to God right now, and let's pray. In the name of Jesus, God, in the next few moments, we ask you, Lord, to give us clarity of your spirit. We understand that if we try to fight spiritual things with the flesh, that we will not survive. But I thank you that your spirit is here tonight to help us and to guide us and direct us. Everything we say and do tonight, we want to give you honor. Let every heart be open to hear your word. Give me the words to speak. In Jesus' name. And everyone say, amen. You may be seated. You should have a, uh, the notes page with a pen. And there's a lot of notes that we're going to get through. Um, but I promise you it's going to be dynamic. How many here talk to themselves? Do you talk to yourself? Okay. All right. Now, maybe... You're thinking the same as this guy right here. Of course I talk to myself. Sometimes I need expert advice. Jared sent that to me. No, I'm just kidding, Jared. Or this one right here. I like this next one. Talking to yourselves. Sometimes the only way to guarantee an intelligent conversation. And Ailita sent that one to me. (laughs) Let's talk stats for just a second. Yesterday on our Facebook page, I asked this question. The average number of words a man speaks in a day and a woman speaks in a day. Now, some of you probably did a Google search, um, but I need a drum roll. The average number of a man is 7,000. 7,000 words in a day. Fill in the blank. And an average woman, but before I go into this, let me tell you, this was a scientific study. I had nothing to do with this study. Um, I, uh, 
what's the disclaimer? Any results that I'm sharing this evening have nothing to do with the personal opinions of the pastor of the sanctuary. An average woman speaks 20,000 words a day. There, I got it out. That's about three times that of a man. And the researchers say the words that women speak are 10 times wiser than the words of any man. Wait, whoa, whoa. Beck has been in my notes again. <laughs> Scientists actually have reasons for why women speak more. They say that their brains have higher levels of protein. Turn to a woman and say, you've got a lot of protein up there. So to all the men here tonight, I think we need to eat more chicken. <laughs> Buffalo chicken with ranch or a honey barbecue wings with extra sauce, I may or may not be on a diet again. <laughs> okay, you're going to laugh about this. I got a new health coach. <laughs> so if people ever want a new pastor, now I know what it feels like. Lord, help me. I could preach about that a while, but I'm not. Now, I can already hear the women saying about these stats. We say more because we have better ideas and because we have to repeat ourselves to all the men who aren't listening. Any ladies say amen to that? All right, calm down, ladies. Calm down, let's not fight. Now, let me ask you another question. How many words do you speak to yourself every day? This is talking in your head. Don't show the stat. This is not verbal. This is while you are listening to me, you are thinking things. You are, I don't know what you're thinking. I'd like to know. No, I don't want to know what you're thinking. Researchers say that each of us self-talk at the rate of 1,300 words per minute. Okay? That's not per day, that's per minute. That means during my message tonight, you are speaking about 45,000 words to yourself. 45,000 words. What in the world are you saying about tonight's sermon? I mean, are you schizophrenic or what? I don't know what the... That equates to 80,000 words per hour. So if you get eight hours of sleep per night which I'm sure all of you do, you speak 1.3 million words to yourself every day. Suddenly, the ladies' number and the men's number doesn't look so high. This is all science. Then we turn to the scripture that says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So knowing all of this, you need to ask yourself this question. What are the words that I'm speaking to myself? Now, I know where some of you are already going. Well, the devil just brings these thoughts. Let's not talk about the devil just yet. The devil gets way too much credit. We'll deal with the devil later. Fill in the blank. If you tell yourself what a terrible, awful person you are who has no potential and destined for failure, that has nothing to do with the devil and everything to do with yourself. Now, this isn't popular, but did you see what I, who I just blamed? Point to yourself. If you're telling yourself what an awful person you are and you have no potential, where is the devil in that? Fact. Fill in the blank. We can be our own worst enemy through the words we think and say. Remember this. It doesn't take much effort to think and speak negative. Okay? Because that's how we were born. We were born to speak negative thoughts. Where it takes effort is to wake up and think about joyful things. And think of good things. If you just, most of us this morning woke up, and how many will admit you thought of things that were going wrong in your life? Okay, come on, be honest. Be honest. Well, so obviously you went to Facebook. 
and social media can obviously be part of it because not only do you have your own problems now, but you have the shortage of gas that is coming our way tomorrow. By the way, I want to make an announcement. There is a shortage of seats in the sanctuary on Sunday at noon. I would call all your friends and I would tell them to get here because there is a shortage that's happening. And you, you, don't, you don't want to mess with missing a, a great seat. I, you know, I'd like to see what this place looks like filled and there's chairs in the aisles. I believe that can happen. Psalms 51 and 5 says, Behold, and I was shake, shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Living with the spiritual mindset is only done through discipline. And discipline is such a dirty word for many because it means work. But let me tell you, what will happen if we don't discipline our minds this way? Romans 8 and 5 tells us the consequences. Fill in the blank. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, and they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. What this means is that when you are carnally minded, then everything that is spiritual seems so foreign to you. It means that when someone gets up and says, let's go to prayer, you're like, why, why are we praying when I can just do it myself? Why would I pray for a job when I can just have unemployment right now? I don't want to talk about that. That's con I did not mean for that to be a controversial statement. Let me think of something else. Why would I want to pray over my vehicle that, that needs fixed when I have a mechanic? Why? I mean, I, I know I'm sick. Why should I pray for healing when I just go to a doctor? And the problem is we can get so dependent on the answers in this life that we stop depending on God for anything. Now, we live in a community with the highest median income in our state. That is good and bad. The good is we thank God for the blessings on Columbus, Indiana. Where that is bad is when you have things, sometimes you become dependent on your own resources instead of him. This is why if you see missionaries go overseas and miracles happen, it's because they don't have a doctor. They can't call Dr. Jones next week. So if they don't get healed right here, right now, so you know what they say? You know what? I'm just going to believe in Dr. Jesus. All right? Let's not get too comfortable with the carnal things that we forget about the spiritual things. This church was built on prayer. This church was built on prayer. This is why if we are carnally minded and Pastor Johnson says we're going to fast about it, whatever it would be, you'd be like, well, why, are, why are we doing that? Because we're carnally minded. I want to thank the Lord for sparing Helen this week. That could have been very bad. But you know what I believe? I believe that the Lord was there and I believe the prayers of the saints. Even, be even before we know it, that could have been completely different this week. It's so important that we have this spiritual mindset. Is this our home? Is this earth our home? Neil, is this where you're going to live forever? No, this is just a temporary place. Brother Shipley, is this where we're going to be? I mean, are you going to work at the school for the rest of your... I mean, you're going to work for a while. Because she, she needs money. She needs shopping money. I mean, she... She needs to buy another snoga skirt. <laughs> You're not gonna, it won't be forever. The frailty of life, we need, we need to think about what, what is our goal here. Every time I perform a funeral, I think about this. I think about, and, and Bishop, I pray that it never gets to the point where I, I, I just do a funeral, just like, oh, another funeral. 
I pray and I say, God, teach me to number my days. I, I worked with a surgeon one time and, and he, I, I was in a procedure with him and, and while we were in this case, he found cancer throughout this woman's whole body. He said, sew her up, it's over. It was terrible. So he said, walk with me. So I walk with this general surgeon and I stand there as he tells this family, she's full of cancer, there's nothing we can do. They're sobbing. And then he goes to the break room and starts talking about tennis. Now, I did have some questions for him at that moment. First off, how did you switch on and off years? How, how did that happen? The answer was, he says, when you do it all day long, which is sad, when you do it all day long, you can't get emotionally attached to it. And I think sometimes, if we're not careful, when one person walks away from the church, if we're not careful, we're like, oh, they walked away, this and another. Instead of praying for them and reaching for them, does it bother you when someone who was a, here a year ago is not here today? Carnally, you're like, well, that's just part of the church. But spiritually, we must pray. We've got to get the mind of Christ. Perhaps you're here and you say, well, pastor, I have my own thoughts. No one has to listen to them. I'll put a positive face on when I go to church and to my job, but this is my own mind. What does Matthew 12 and 33 say about this? It says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by what? His fruit. Fill in the blank. Your thoughts are the birthing place for your actions. Your thoughts bear fruit. You think positive thoughts and good things, and your fruit will be good. I have this next slide. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Now, how silly would it be for you to plant an apple tree and expect cranberries to grow on it? And yet, so many times... We are full with, of thoughts that are, are negative and then we expect positive things to come out. It's not how it will work. Your attitude, your bad attitude, can cause the fruit on your spiritual tree to spoil. Yes, it does matter what you think. But, but Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. No, I probably don't. And no one else probably knows what you've gone through. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a survivor. We're all survivors. Some of the husbands and wives said that to you pretty seriously. <laughs> yes, I survived the Love and Respect series. <laughs> Praise God. Some of y'all got in arguments about the scoring of each other. I, I, I didn't know how many marital fights I was going to cause. That wasn't, oh, Lord, help us. We need to have Love and Respect version two to recoup from the first series. We all have a story that we could tell of things that we've been through, of pain that we've gone through. But does that affect you? Let's be gracious to each other. Let's always be on the side of mercy. That person that you're in the grocery store with who, who doesn't look like you and acts different, let's have mercy on that person. That, that person who's driving erratically and you'd be tempted to run them off the road, let's... Let's give him mercy. My wife knows I'm always merciful on the road. You know what? I have the microphone now. You had Mother's Day. I have the microphone now. <laughs> Why is it? And how many has ever seen someone go through cancer? Anyone? Okay. Why is it? that sometimes those going through adversity have a better attitude than those whose life is going perfectly. What, what's going on there? Now I want you to think about the time in your life that you were the most spiritual 
or the closest to God. All right? Think about it. I want, in fact, I want you to write it down somewhere. The time in your life, I hope everyone writes now. <laughs> right now, I'm the most spiritual in my life. But I want you to think about the time in your life where you were the closest to Jesus Christ. Write it down. Now, if I'm not, and I'm not going to collect these, but if I were, 99% of the time, it is not going to be during the greatest time in your life. It's going to be in the times when you needed him the most. When you put everything on pause. You see, some of the professionals that I had a chance to work with, millionaires, were miserable. Absolutely miserable. Why? They didn't really need God. They had their castle. They're the same ones who came to my office and would ask me to pray. This is a mindset thing, but let me, let me take this a step further. We sometimes have problems in our life and we spend so much time focusing on them, thinking that it's changing them. All right? Uh, Brother Carson, please stand up. Now, you're about ready to get married. And Mama Bear is here. Welcome, Mama Bear. All right, now, I know this doesn't apply to you. Because you are independently wealthy. Right? I mean, just look at you with the headset. You're, I mean, you're, you're on like a movie executive now. I mean, you, you're getting married. I mean, this is big time. Okay? But let's just say, getting ready to get married, you don't have as much money as you really want. Again, this doesn't apply to you. Plus, she's going to give you money this week. I mean, she's going to... And I, I know Papa Bear and... Where is Papa Bear tonight? You tell him I wanted him here. Huh? Oh, he's working. Imagine that. So, here's what I want you to do, okay? What I want you to do, okay, let's say your bank account isn't what you want it to be. I want you to think about that really, really hard. Okay? And as you do, deposits start coming into your account. As you think about how low your account is, you think about the stress and the worry, and you think about the honeymoon, and you think about that virgin pina colada you're going to order. <laughs> I love pina coladas, virgin. I do have to tell you, one time I took a group of kids on a missions trip, and they did not interpret the virgin part of it. They served all of the mission kids alcohol. <laughs> Every one of them. Um... Brother Johnson, this doesn't taste right. Clear the table! I just told all of the internet my secrets. The fact of the matter is, you thinking and dwelling on it and having a pity party does not change it. You may be seated. That is my request to give him money for his wedding. The more you think on that thought, in fact, as you research this, you'll find out stress and worry can actually cause diseases. It can actually cause cancer. Where, where is it going to come from? I mean, surely Elon Musk is going to send me some crypto coins this week. Can he just go on Saturday Night Live one more time? I don't know what all that. Oh, Lord, help us. It's not going to change just because you're focusing on it. Why are you wasting your time? And side note, can we take that fruit off? It's bothering me. <laughs> side note, <laughs> I haven't had dinner yet, and actually all those apples actually look good right now. Posting all those problems to social media won't get more money in your account either.
it will only make it worse. Because 1 Corinthians 12, 2 says, flee from drama. No, it doesn't. I just made that up. <laughs> flee the drama and go to prayer. The carnal mind rushes to drama and problems and situations and all of a sudden it's bigger and bigger and bigger. Ah, the world's going to fall apart. Am I going to ever be able to drive my car again? We are not going to have gasoline. How in the world am I going to go to Disney? <laughs> now, I want to ask this question. How many of you went out and got extra gas today? Raise your hand. Did anyone, like, fill up all your cars and got extra? Please stand. <laughs> well, I'll take that part of my notes out. <laughs> that was perfect, Bishop. <laughs> you know what they said about the shortage? The same as toilet paper. It's self-inflicted on us. There is not a shortage of gas right now. But because this person has told this person has told this person, the problem is it's self-inflicted. Now, it has nothing to do with Bishop. <laughs> now, let me talk about the church for just a moment. If we make this one change in the church, the church is going to go down. Just like a gas shortage. If we don't do this festival, we will not reach our community. I'm getting real right now, aren't I? Church things, and I can only imagine as this sanctuary was being built and the color schemes were being chosen and the lights were being chosen, if we have to change carpet color, I, I would just have fled from that committee. There was a man, a board member at a former church, and he, he would always, whenever he was asked to be on a committee, he'd say, I like purple. No one ever asked him to be on the committee. <laughs> he was a very smart man. It's dedicated to you, Bob Kayuha. We need, to, and let me get back to my notes, we need to speak positive words. Now, I have some blanks here for you to fill it out. What are some positive words that you could speak on? I'm going to give you a few ideas, but some of these can be your own. These are some positive ideas. I am a child of God. I am forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. He is my provider. I'm going to be okay. I am worthy because of his sacrifice. I was created by him. I have purpose. I am filled with his spirit. These are just examples of things that you could say to yourself. Newsflash, fill in the blank. If you're waiting for the day to come in which everything is going to be perfect, that day will never come. It's never going to be perfect. Welcome to earth. It's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be something going on. If you want a million dollars tomorrow, you'd be upset at how much in taxes you had to pay on it. Everything in your life, there's always going to be something there. So if you're waiting to that magical day, and young people do this, that magical day when everything's just right, it's like waiting for the magical day to have a baby. Anyone remember that? That first child? Oh, well, let me just talk to this couple on the front row. There's never going to be a moment when it's perfect to have the baby. There's never going to be enough money. You're never going to have enough diapers. Is my wife with a baby right now? What well, the timeliness on this? We, for, for an entire year, I hope this blesses you. For an entire year, we stocked up diapers because I was so scared of being poor. We had a whole closet full of diapers. Can I give you a tip? Don't get the like really tiny ones because we had to throw a bunch of them away. So we had all these 
diapers there. Why? It was because I wanted to plan and I, I wanted the car to be right. And she wanted a certain car seat with a certain brand that was way overpriced. She wanted all these things. But guess what? There was never a perfect time. And in your life right now, you're, it's never going to be perfect whatever the decision you have to be next. This is why you need to be content where you're at right now. I don't like my house. Stop talking about it because it's not getting you a new one. Be content where you're at right now. Because by the way, it can make for very difficult dynamics at home. It can cause the husband to feel like he's worthless because he can't provide. Psalms 118.24 This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will, what? Rejoice and be glad in it. Don't wait to rejoice until things are perfect. You have this moment in time. But remember, the only way you're going to be able to take care of these negative thoughts is to reclaim your mind. You need to call on the name of Jesus and reclaim your mind and say, this is my mind. And devil, you cannot get inside my head. Now, here, here is... So, this is your mind in here. All right? Wow, it's really dark. You can't give him a sliver of room into your head. Here's the problem. We... We many times leave it unlocked and just allow him free access where he can just come and go as he please and just dump a little thought here or there. Does anyone have a, a drawer at home where you just drop junk in there? Okay, what's it called in your house? You have a whole bus, my friend. You have a whole bus. <laughs> the junk drawer. Who has a junk drawer? How often does it get sorted through? Never! Does anyone have a junk garage? Oh, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Did you just point at your husband? Brother Jimmy, the Lord is speaking to you right now. <laughs> Welcome to the choir, Brother Jimmy. I just had to say that. We're glad you're in the choir. But we allow him access. And then we wonder, we go into our mind, and all of a sudden it's full of this clutter. Now, I grew up in a home that was full of clutter all the time. In fact, I went to visit home two years ago. My dad collects antiques. There were so many antiques in the house, you could not even move in some rooms. Finally, he said, maybe we should take some of these out to... We can have a place to sleep. Yeah, that, that, that might be good. Because of that, I hate clutter. So if you, Brother Nathan, you know this. I'll go in and I'll say, um, I was just in the lobby and I happened to notice that there was a table there with like no cards from last weekend. Can we take care of that? It's because clutter drives me crazy. You remember when we, we first arrived, we... <laughs> In, in fact, this Friday, this is my soliciting for you. This Friday in the morning, we are having a cleanup of our fellowship hall. If you're available for a few hours, please come and help because we're getting rid of clutter. On a routine basis, we need to declutter our mind of some things. And can I tell you, over the last year, we've gotten our minds stuffed full of everything from Dr. Fauci to shortages of toilet paper, to depression, marital issues. It's, come on, be real with me. And what we need to do is do a cleaning up of our mind. Romans 12 and 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need a renewal of our minds. We need to pray and ask God to help us. 
Our goal is to rewire our thinking so we think positively instead of negatively. Now, I recently preached about Paul and King Agrippa, and one scripture stuck out to me, and that's in Acts 26 and 2. In Acts 26 and 2, you'll recall that Paul was on trial. He was a prisoner. He wasn't having a very good day. And the first things he says is this in verse 2. I think myself happy, King Agrippa. Wait a second. Does that have anything to do with God right there? I'm thinking myself happy even though I'm a prisoner and life isn't going so good. Ashley, I'm thinking myself happy when Joint Commission's coming in two weeks. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I think myself happy when that student is mouthing off at me. I think myself happy when I'm not quite done being called doctor. Are you done yet? Done, done? Done, 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 done? <laughs> I think myself happy, Sister Gwen, after... 10 appointments in one day, and it's real heavy. I think myself happy. Paul, you're crazy. You shouldn't be happy. You should be a victim of wrongdoing. You should get the greatest attorney and get a wrongful arrest settlement. You need to complain to the Better Business Bureau. Basically, you are doomed to fail, Paul. But instead, Paul says, I'm going to think myself happy. And in that moment, you'll recall in the scripture, Paul was able to be a witness in spite of not having a perfect life and in spite of going through things. What if we were to quiz your coworkers and how they view you as their coworker? Here's a tougher one. What if we were to quiz our families on how they feel about us? Ouch. I have to apologize to my family quite often. Is that okay? <laughs> That's not okay, but I do. Sometimes I have to apologize to my dogs. Poor Ginger had to get shots today. My wife forced me to take my kids to get shots, so now she's taking the dogs to get shots. I think that's only fair. She said, oh, I can't take Avery and Jace to get shots. You're going to have to take them. I can't handle it when I look in their eyes. Oh, so you send the beast. Get your shots. <laughs> As they look at me in the eye. Ha! Why are you letting this doctor do this to me? She did that to me. It's basically abuse. Spousal abuse. Spousal abuse. Do you hear me out there? Spousal abuse. But today, Ginger went and got her shots, and Opie, I don't have a picture, but he sat at the window and just watched in sadness as he missed his sister. Sometimes, even I yell at the dogs. Sometimes we just, we need to get our minds scoured out and, and take care of this thing. And if we're not careful, we get seeds embedded in our mind, and they start to grow, and this small seed begins to grow into a plant, and this plant then turns into a vine which begins to drain the life out of us. But here is the good news. It's the last part of the lesson tonight. It has been proven by scientists and through the word of God that we can reprogram our minds. It's called neuroplasticity, also known as neuroplasticity or brain plasticity. It's the ability of neural networks in the brain to change through growth and reorganization. In layman's terms, this means changing the way we think on things. Now, Dr. Carolyn Leaf is one of the leaders in this field, and she also is a Christian. And she provides five steps to reprogramming our brains. I have on the, the board here a, uh, this next slide. There are some books that she, she has out there. We're, we don't sell them here, but you can get them on. Uh, you might want to write it down, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and she, Dr. Leaf has some great material, and she talks about those who've gone through trauma and pain and stressful situations and depression and burnout, basically all of us. 
Um, and, and if you're thinking, well, this is for someone else here but not me, it's all of us. All of us need to reprogram. And she has five steps, and this has been researched by others as well. And we're going to end tonight with talking about these five steps of how we can reprogram our brain. The first step is to gather. That's a fill in the blank. Step one is to gather. And in this step, what you're doing is you're asking yourself some questions on where you're at right now, emotionally and physically. For example, are you feeling anxious? Are you depressed? Are you lethargic? Are you struggling to concentrate? Are you getting frustrated with people? Are you irritable? Are you fatigued? Do you have muscle tension? Do you have headaches? Are you sleeping well? How much sleep you're getting? Are you eating properly? Have you lost a lot of weight or have you gained a lot of weight? Are you getting adequate sunlight? Are you getting out of the house? What is it? Are you exercising? You're gathering this together and you're discovering where you're at right now. That's the, the gathering phase. The next phase is the reflection stage. This is the step in which you're asking why. Now, why are you doing that particular action? What is causing that action to occur? So you are staying in a dark place for days in a row. Why are you doing that? Why are you eating much different than you ever have before? Why are you refusing to be with other people? Why are you negative all the time? Why, why can't you con what What is the cause here? Are, are you... Uh, feeling overwhelmed, do you, has something occurred? Was there a tragedy that occurred? What was the core of it? This is the reflection stage. Are you fearing that something's going to happen? And let me tell you, during the pandemic, it has, there has been so much fear. And, and if you try to get in a counseling appointment right now, um, I was talking to uh, a member of our church who works in the field this particular clinician is booked all the, way, all the way through August or September, trying to get in because there's so much of a need right now. I, Sister Gwen will tell you the same. So what is going on? Are you, do you have unrealistic expectations of yourself? And then you begin to look at, are there some commitments that maybe you need to get rid of? Are you trying to please everyone? Are you trying to be a people pleaser? What could help your mental health right now? The third thing is to write. Now, in our bookstore, at our local gear store, we actually sell journals at our cost. And the reason for that is I have always encouraged you to journal your thoughts. The reason why this is so important is because we can get into a, our mind can get into a, a real mess. We can get into a tangled mess. And, and just sorting it out is so important by writing down everything that's going through your mind. And there's been times in my life where I write it down and then I tear it up or I burn it. Anyone ever done that before? You're like, no one's reading this mess. <laughs> so you're writing it down. You're putting everything that's on your mind at that time, whatever's overwhelming, you're writing it down. Now, I, this is just me. And I have journaled, and I know this is odd for a 12-year-old 12 12 kid, but I journaled for about four years of my life through my high school years. Now, it's really funny going back and reading some of those, especially like um, the girl that I was going to call it because it cost 10 cents a minute to call her. I mean, it, it's hilarious. It's some funny stuff. But one of these days, I'm going to show my kids. But one thing I never did I made a principle of never talking badly about people in my life so that they would ever get this journal and feel bad about something. Now, I would talk about things not going well, but how you journal is real important. Don't let it turn into a complaint fest to the point where you hate the world and you hate, I, I don't know, I haven't talked to a counselor about this, but someday someone's going to read that journal. What do you want them to read? And if it's that bad, you might need to burn it. <laughs> And say, in Jesus' name, get thee behind me, Satan. Step number four, as the musicians come, is to recheck. Now that you have recognized these patterns, you're writing down your findings, you're reviewing all of those things, and you're asking yourself some questions. What can change in my life? What advice would you give to someone 
if they came to you with these same issues? And what are some toxic patterns or habits that you are noticing? What assumptions are you making in your thinking? Number five is what they called active reach. This is where you examine your current commitments. What can you possibly give up? Could you delegate some things? You try to incorporate more thinker moments into your day where you switch off the external and you switch on the internal. This is where you daydream again. You take naps or you stare out the window. You let your mind wander. This is a great way to rest and reboot. This is active reaches when I go trout fishing and I just get away from the world. It's good for your mental health. Leave work at work. A large part of burnout, as the clinicians will tell you, is because this work balance thing is, is not right. A couple other things, build fun into your routine. Go for walks, exercise, take time to, for a hobby, paint whatever it is. Do something that brings you joy. The next thing is to set and enforce boundaries. Before committing yes to someone, really think through what it's gonna mean when you say yes. And the final item, and I thought this was important because these five steps aren't necessarily spiritual, okay? These are what the clinicians say. But the last thing they say is serve others. They say that if you are going through, a and I know this doesn't make sense, if you are going through a difficult time and you're feeling completely wiped out, if you will serve someone else, if you will encourage someone else, you will feel better. Study after study. Did I mention that we need a lot of volunteers here at the sanctuary and you can serve any? Yeah, it doesn't matter. My mother, for many years, volunteered at the hospital in the gift shop. And she brought so much joy. She's a bubbly person. She could sell anything. They loved her. And, and she just found joy in helping out those who came. And there was a new baby that was born. And she would help them find an outfit for the baby or whatever it might be. Find joy in serving others. Well, Brother Johnson, this is just a happy self-talk. This is your TED Talk for Wednesday night. I thought we were going to have Bible study. Let me remind you the opening scripture. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Sometimes the reason why our lives are miserable is because of the words that we are saying to ourselves. And as we stand... Let me remind you that your attitude affects more than just you. Dr. Harrison, I don't know how many other apostolics work with you, but I can promise you that you have connections with people that others don't. Jono, on your job, there are people who are watching you right now. Alan. Wherever you go, people are watching, and they see, and they know. And let me tell you, if you are wearing any logo gear from the sanctuary, you better have a good attitude. <laughs> or else, go to down the street and get something from the other church, have a nasty attitude, and give them a card so they won't go there. No, just kidding, just kidding. Your attitude is a testament of your relationship with Jesus Christ. You show me an angry person, and I'll show you someone who isn't praying and submitting to God, their anger. And men, we all can deal with anger issues. Women can too, but men, we deal with anger. This is why we have to come to an altar. You show me someone who is ungrateful, and I will show you someone who's forgotten about their blessings. You show me a bitter person, and I'll show you someone who hasn't yielded their whole mind to Jesus Christ. You show me someone who's always grumpy, and I'll show you someone who just needs to start counting their blessings. Do I need to remind you that what the Bible says? That the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want us to gather near the front if we could. I want to say a few more things, and then we're going to pray over our minds.
I wouldn't use the term battle if this was something that was easy. This is something that's difficult. Today, maybe you got a phone call or a situation came up and it was just a bad day. Maybe a situation happened this week and you're trying to be positive about it, but every way you look, it's just really attacking you. Yes, the enemy can come and yes, the enemy can speak to us. But can I tell you, we sure pour a lot of gasoline on that fire through our own thinking. Now, maybe you're like, Pastor, you're the only person who struggles with it's not me. Well, then you don't have to participate in this prayer. But for the rest of us humans, we need a renewal of our mind. We need for just a moment to clean out the room and say, Lord, I, I need your spirit here. You see, because if it's full of that other stuff, how do you expect the spirit to live there? There's no room. Close your eyes. In Jesus' name right now, I submit my mind to you. Lord, this week, this month, this year, there's been things that have occurred. And you see that person who's here right now. And Lord, it's been a struggle. And Lord, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know what you spoke to me. I know the word you gave to me. And I'm asking you right now to give us all strength. God, if there is bitterness living in that room of my mind, I ask you, Lord, help me to clear it out right now in Jesus' name. If there is anger, if there, if there's things that are, if there's distractions, temptation, self-harm, whatever it may be, Lord, I submit my mind to you completely. I know you want to dwell within me, but you can't come with your full, fullness of your spirit. If I have all these other things, I'm asking you, God, to come in right now. Let your spirit overwhelm me. Let your spirit come down. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Lord, I invite you into my mind. Renew my mind right now. Renew my attitude about that situation, about that family situation that I have no control. Lord, there are things I can't control, but I will trust in you right now. I will look to you and you alone. You are God and you are on the throne and I will trust you right now. Come on, renew your mind in his presence. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. If you need more information, visit us at thesanctuary.church. And we pray that in the days to come, God continues to bless and guide you in Jesus' name.